Oh, good morning. <clears throat> Sherlock Holmes and his sidekick, Dr. Watson, were on a camping trip together. And in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up and he elbows Watson. He says, Watson, what do you see up there? And Watson says, I see a bunch of stars. And Holmes says, so what do you infer from that? And Watson says, well, astronomically, I see millions of galaxies, which probably means that there's billions of stars and planets. And astrologically, he said, I see that Saturn's in Leo. And he says, horologically, I see that it's probably about quarter after three in the morning. And he says, meteorology, I can infer that it's probably going to be a nice day later today. And he says, theologically, I see the awesome power of God and the tiny, insignificant human beings that we are. What do you see, Holmes? And Holmes says, Watson, you damn fool, somebody stole our tent. So are you one of those persons who lives up in the, got your head in the clouds all the time, always looking out, always looking at the big picture or whatnot? Or are you someone who's focused on the immediacy of the moment, what's going on here? And probably more than likely, most of us are a little bit of both. But I, I got to tell you, I was, um, between my two prominent marriages that, that uh, gave us a, a boy in each one, I had a brief marriage. Uh, we actually went together about four years, but we were only married for less than a year. And then the marriage was legally annulled. To a woman who um, was a wonderful woman, I was in love with her dearly, and, uh, but she lived with her head in the clouds. She had an IQ of 160. She was a genius. She was a member of Mensa. She could, this is before, she didn't even know, take speed reading. She could read through, she loved psychology, religion, and philosophy, which is how we kind of came together. And uh, she could read a heavy-duty book from cover to cover, I mean speed read it, and understand the content of it. Not just read the words, but understand the content and what was involved in it. And it was simply amazing. And yet, and yet, she had no idea how to boil hard, hard, make hard-boiled eggs. No idea whatsoever, and I had to teach her that. Amazing how some people can just live with their head up in the clouds and just be out there and yet can't handle everyday little things. I, uh, I happened to watch a couple of days ago uh, probably my favorite movie, Dirty Dancing. And uh, for the you know umpteenth time, but it's the first time I've ever seen it from very beginning to the end continuously. You should end up turning it on and it's already you know halfway through or something. So from the very beginning, and I just I I'm just thoroughly enamored of this movie, and I still cry at the end of it. Uh, I, I just love it dearly. So, you know, here's Baby. Of course, why is she named Baby? Because she's she's a teenager yet. She just graduated from high school. She's a baby, baby houseman. And um, she lives in this world of grand ideas and ideals. She doesn't have to worry about anything in the immediacy. Her father's a doctor. You know, she's cared for, well taken care of. And she's going to go to Mount Holyoke. She's been accepted. 
You know, this is a, an uppity, you know, women's college out east. And uh, what's she going to study? She's going to study economic development in underdeveloped countries. Whoa. And then she's going to go into the Peace Corps. This movie was set in 1963. Remember, the Peace Corps had just been in existence for a few years there, maybe a couple years. And uh, she's got all these grand ideals. Baby Houseman. And who is she pitted against in the movie? Johnny Castle. Johnny, the tough guy Johnny, slick back hair, rolled up sleeves, black shirt, kind of like you over here. <laughs> you know, cigarettes underneath his, you know, underneath the bat the arm right there, and you know, smoking all the time. And and uh, Johnny Castle, who has to live in the immediacy of the moment. He's a dancer, and he lives day by day by day because he never knows where his next dollar is coming from. And quite a pair, huh? The idealist and the, the, the pragmatist, the realist right here. So why am I talking about this stuff today? Well, Buddhism, for a big part in the Western world, is considered a philosophy. It's not considered a religion. I was just having this discussion earlier this week with someone again. Is, is Buddhism a philosophy or is it a religion? And if you go to, you can, you can Google it. I did it this week. Just a, just a list of the different types of philosophies. You know, there's uh, existentialism and nihilism and rationalism and determinism and uh, uh, naturalism. And Buddhism is listed in, in many of these because it's another ism. And it's listed as a philosophy, a way of looking at life. And what is philosophy? The love of wisdom. And I like to think oftentimes there's not a whole lot of wisdom in these philosophical deducings. There's, there's a lot of uh, uh, knowledge, but I don't know how much of it is actual wisdom. So... This has always been a little kind of a thorn in my side. Like St. Paul had a thorn in his side. I've had a thorn in my side. People say, no, Buddhism is a religion. And what did the Buddha say? The Buddha said, life is suffering. Life is tough. Life is difficult. Life even sucks sometimes. And it sucks so badly that a lot of times we want to get off. We want to get off the Ferris wheel. Forget about it. I don't need this. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too damn difficult. Why is it so difficult for me? Because the focus is all on I. It's all on ego. It's all on me. How do things affect me? I want, not just want, I crave. I need this, and I'm going to have it no matter what. Or I hate this. I'm so angered. I hate this. Or I hate them. And you push them away. Again, the focus is all on I. I either want to pull this in or I want to push this away. And what is the, the delusion or ignorance? I ignore others. That's what ignorance means. I ignore others and focus on self. It's all about me. And so we suffer. We suffer dearly and deeply because we're afraid to be with other people, openly, candidly, honestly, uh, frightfully sometimes. It's not easy, and we're afraid to share. 
So today we celebrate the Buddha Dharma, a teaching that says this is what life is about. I give you a way through this suffering, through this distress, through this stuff that you can't stand. What's that way? The Eightfold Path. Here it is. Here's the Eightfold Path. Yeah, you have to know about it, but it's not about understanding it philosophically. It's about doing it. Actually doing the Eightfold Path, making it a part of your life. All of the eight steps, integrating those within the context of whatever your life involves. It's about practice. Don't just talk about it. Do it. Yeah, I want to ask you, how well do you think, um, let's say you download a PDF on Nagarjuna's dialectics or his two-truth theory, or you download a PDF on uh, Zen metaphysics, how well do you think that's going to help you through your breaking down marriage, or through your battle with alcohol or drugs, or through the loss of your job? Do you think that's going to help you if you read one of those? Get up in your head and read about it, and boy, I'm going to be saved. It's not going to do a damn thing for you. Probably make you worse. Buddhism, if it's about anything, it's about saving yourself and helping others to save themselves. It's about stuff of the heart. Yeah, it's about, you know, you have to know a few basic things, but it's about living from your heart, not from your head. It's about living from your heart, offering your true self up to others, openly compassionately. Not an easy thing to do, and yet I'm asking you today, as we go up and we bathe the baby Buddha in a few moments, to making a commitment to yourself. Get out of your heads. Get out of your heads and go down to your heart. Operate from here. You'll be a lot better off.